This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition. Each year, the nation's farmers continue to amaze with their productive capacity, even in the face of natural disaster. In 2012, farmers grew the eighth largest corn crop in history, despite the worst drought since 1936. Their commitment to the land and growing safe, abundant, and affordable food is an American success story. It is also noteworthy that 95% of this production comes from family farms. To learn more about how productivity and sustainability go hand in hand, go to cornfarmerscoalition.org. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Dr. Steve Meyer from Paragon Economics, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thanks, Ken. It's good to be with you. Steve, we saw some news that shocked people a bit. Smithfield Foods had been sold to Shin Hai, a Chinese company of like demeanor. Well, it was a surprise. Um, they did a wonderful job of keeping this thing under wraps. Um, you know, I like to think I'm reasonably well-connected in this business, and I know some other people who are at least that well-connected in the capital markets, and uh, there was really no indication of this, so it was a surprise. Um, uh, it, it This thing has been brewing for a while. They've done business with this company in China for a while. Uh, they've had this challenge from Continental Grain, one of their large shareholders, uh, recommending that they break up the company. Uh, there's a number of things that have been going on, uh, so uh, you can see kind of the reasoning behind this. And I, I you know, I don't know the company in China. Uh, I don't know much about them, but given the challenges that they've had with pig supplies there and the challenges they've had with food safety issues and the more concern that there is there, I can see why they would want to be uh, tight, more tightly tied to a supply of high-quality U.S. pork. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. So um, the deal, and it's obviously, it looks like a pretty good deal for, for Smithfield shareholders, uh, about a 30% premium to the the most recent share price. So, uh, and finally, uh, this probably isn't the last word on this. As we know, normally when one of these uh, deals start, uh, something else happens. I understand that there's uh, some terms in the agreement that uh, Smithfield can talk to uh, two other firms, one based um, in uh, Indonesia, maybe, uh, CP Foods, the other one being JBS. So um, it's not a done deal yet either. What if JBS Swift upped the ante and wanted to buy Smithfield? Do you think that would set off some alarms? Do you think they could get it done? No, I don't. Uh, I think there would be some big challenges to this thing if uh, JBS Swift stepped in to try to buy Smithfield. Um, at least the Midwestern Smithfield plants would be in some real jeopardy on that because Swift has plants uh, in the Midwest at Marshalltown and at Worthington, Minnesota, and uh, kind of surrounded by John Morrell and farmland plants in this part of the world and, and premium standard farms. So uh, that would at least be a problem. And, and under a Democrat administration, I think they would probably challenge the whole deal. So I think that one would run into some real antitrust problems. Uh, should it arise, um, we'll see if that happens or not. But uh, I think that one would have some antitrust problems. This this purchase by Shenhai, uh, I don't think, uh, has any problems with U.S. antitrust laws. They're just changing the ownership of a given company. 
to a third to an outside party that isn't involved in the business already. So it doesn't change concentration. It doesn't change the level of vertical integration. Of the US. Uh, it doesn't change any of that. So I don't I don't think that's a problem. But JBS Swift, uh, JBS being involved involved in that probably would be. One of the things Smithfield was doing was um, backing off on the use of ractopamine, and uh, that appeared to be one of the few signs that people can now link to them knowing about this uh, transaction for quite some period of time. I, 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 that's my opinion. It's one of those things I've been a bit kind of surprised by the fervor with which Smithfield had been doing that uh, over this spring. Uh, I, you know, I know, I understand that there was, uh, the Chinese were wanting certified ractopamine free pork and that the Russians wanted the same thing before they decided that we couldn't deliver it and just block our exports. Uh, I understand all that, but boy, they seem to be really hot on that. And, uh, it, now in retrospect, it seems to make a lot of sense. So I, I think it does explain some of that. Dr. Meyer, let me turn your attention to the animal welfare issues that uh, have been a major factor in the pork industry. Does this change any of that with a Chinese company being the major owner of the largest U.S. pork processor and a major integrator? I don't see that it does. I mean, you know, the company has said that they're going to leave the management alone, that they're not closing any facilities. You know, it looks like uh, Larry Pope and his team will still be running Smithfield Foods. Uh, they're going to be subject to, regardless of who owns it, they're going to be subject to whatever the political and market-driven, if they are in fact market-driven forces in the U.S. market. Um, so I don't think that's going to really change things uh, from that count at all. I, I don't see why. I mean, this company is still going to be located in the United States. It's bricks and mortar here, uh, all the way from the farm to the processing plant. And so... Uh, Regardless of who owns it, they're going to be subject to our laws and and, our, and whatever pressure this market puts on it for that. So uh, I don't think that's going to change any, Ken. Steve, let's move to the pure economics of this. We are being sourced by China. Is there a benefit to China and is there a benefit to the United States farmers, both pork producers and grain farmers? Well, I think there's a huge benefit. I mean, instead of sending uh, raw corn or raw soybeans or soybean meal to China, uh, we're going to run that product through a process that employs, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and provides jobs and adds value. I mean, you know, the value of that corn and soybean meal going into a pig, uh, I haven't run it recently, but it's probably somewhere around $75, $80, maybe 90 and that pig's worth 200 and so uh, that's a big value-adding process. And then when you uh, take that pig to a slaughter plant, uh, you're going to probably double its value again or at least increase it by half as you go to uh, value-added wholesale cuts or, or, or processed products. So I think that's a good thing for the U.S. It creates jobs. It adds value to our grain. Uh, it reduces the bulk of product that have to be shipped to China. It, uh, it concentrates that value into uh, smaller packages. So from an energy standpoint, that's good. So it's been the driver of increased meat protein exports from the United States for years uh, to get away from shipping bulk grains and, and use those products at home. So And it's not a bad thing for our grain farmers either. I mean, uh, we're still going to have that share of the meat market. It's just that we're going to process that grain here in the United States through pigs and, and packing plants. 
Let me turn to an issue in the pork industry of this porcine epidemic diarrhea. How serious is that right now? That's a good question. I've talked to the veterinarians at the pork board. Uh, this is not a, quote, reportable disease. It's not like a foreign animal disease that you have to report. So they're trying to gather data through the vet clinics that may be handling this. It has been diagnosed in, on farms in seven states as of yesterday. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem to be, you know, and uh, even though epidemic is in the name, it doesn't seem to be a, a huge blow up of this. Um, obviously, from, from everything we hear, it's behaving much like transmissible gastroenteritis, or TGE, uh, which has been around a long time. Uh, very high death losses <clears throat> among uh, pre-weaning pigs. Uh, the other pigs get sick for three to five days, and then they recover. Um, some of those might be, um, might be hurting uh, to some degree, uh, you know, might be, have some, some permanent damage, but and be uh, have some uh, higher morbidity rates, but still uh, we don't know how many hogs it's going to affect. Um, it does come at a time of year when pig supplies are large, so that you know if you go six months down the road, it's going to be affecting the largest slaughter supplies of the of the year in November, October, November, December. So <clears throat> um, unless it really blows up to something much larger, I'd be surprised if we actually see it in the slaughter data come fall, Ken. Uh, but it's certainly a serious thing on the farms that it exists on, and uh, it is a new disease. We haven't, uh, apparently it, w it wasn't present here in the U.S. before this diagnosis. Dr. Steve Meyer, thank you very much for your observations and for speaking with us on AgriPulse Open Mic. Thanks, Ken. Good day. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition. Learn more about how productivity and sustainability go hand in hand. Go to cornfarmerscoalition.org. I'm Ken Root.